0: Fends from dummy half. It's with the halfback Williams. Williams goes himself. Comes out the other side. Gets it to Croker. Bounces away from a would-be from De put Puts a kick out wide, looking for Earl, and Earl is in
1: again.
2: Oh, ha, ha, ha. Stop it! It's starting to hurt. Rugby league.
0: Rugby league. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Boys and girls, I'm absolutely brimming with confidence, buzzing for this episode. I'm back in the heartland of the mighty Kuma Stallions. I was at our sportsman's dinner the other night. We had Mick Cronin there, Josh Papali, Brett White, all the big names there. So very, very excited for this one. I recommend in for a real big show. Joining me for it is the 2019 NRL Supercats champion, Desi Creek. Desi, how are you, mate?
1: Yeah, going well, as always, Timmy. Um, had a nice little trip up the coast last week. So definitely uh, ready to hook back into the NRL season nice and relaxed hopefully in a good frame of mind for Supercoach.
0: Mate, you've been catching waves up there for the last week, so you should be pretty chilled out for this one. That's it. (laughs) Stuff, mate. Also joining me is the 2019 runner-up, Walson Carlos, who is very excited because we'll be talking about the Warriors in today's show. Walson's got about four hours worth of content for us. Walson, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm going well, boys. Excited to be back on the show. And uh, yeah, I've, I've finally had
2: a bit of a busy start to this year, so I wasn't. Uh, overly prepared on, on the first show that I was on, but I feel like I am. I spent three or four hours having a look at it last night, late in late into the night. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to, to tonight's show.
0: Whilst well, you told us on your last podcast that you're on this season, I think about in the first or second one of the year, that the lesson you'd learned from last year was not to go with the heart too much. Um, but I was speaking to you before the show, mate. I reckon you went from having zero kiwis in your team to about five or six. The way you sounded.
2: <laughs> oh, I think we'll talk about it a bit later, but I think you know, even if you look at it objectively, because of the way the prices are in Supercoach, there's a lot of uh, New Zealand Warriors players that are undervalued, and I think they are a side that's on the way up. I, I don't, I don't think that I'm being too subjective about that, but I could be, you know. So <laughs> at the end of the day, or, or
0: it'll play out in how it goes down, but um, we'll have a good chat about it later, I'm sure. That's it, mate. There's no, nothing wrong with a bit of bias on this show. You've got to love it. So on today's show, we'll be touching on the cheapies analysis. I put together a big stack, about 20, 25 cheapies to keep an eye on ahead of round one. We know how important important they are in your round one side, so we'll run through through a few of those. Uh, we'll be continuing our previews of each club with the Storm Warriors and Bulldogs. We'll finish those off next week, which will be all 16 teams covered. Um, with the massive news, that Tommy Turbo is gone again with that hamstring injury, um, that has thrown a huge spanner in the works of our round one teams because he was a very, very popular player for good reason. Uh, unfortunately, has succumbed to a hamstring injury once again. So we're going to have a little bit of a chat about the fullbacks at some stage in the show and see where we're at, who we're starting with, and if there's any uh, alternatives to the likes of Tedesco and Ryan Pappenhausen. Uh, another note just to touch on, for anyone who does follow SC Playbook on Facebook, we were brought down with the big dogs for some ludicrous reason and our uh, Facebook has been taken down not taken down, but uh, disabled with you know News Corp and Sydney Morning Herald, all them big wigs. Um, that should be up and going again in the next couple of days, and and we'll be right to go there again. So if you haven't seen any content on Facebook from us, that's why. Um, in the meantime, we are on Twitter and Instagram. If you're on those, at SC Playbook One, so you can follow us there, <laughs> fellas. Let's get started on the cheapies. I'll be doing most of the talking here, which I'm sure will annoy everyone uh, because I have done the big analysis on them i um, just going to run through a few of them. If you do want uh, to have a proper look at the article, the big cheapest analysis I've done is free to read. So jump on the website and check it out in more detail. Fellas, I've done a rough ranking of them without being too, uh, too accurate, but the one I've got at the top of my list is Connor Watson. He's been named to start for the Knights in the pre-season trial game at lock, which is massive, massive news. 288K. I think he's about as pretty close to a lock as you can get. Matty Lodge is 299k available in the front row um, I've spoken about him in previous podcasts but how keen I am on him going back just two years ago he averaged 63 points per game at under 300k I think he looms as possibly the buy of the year if he stays fit uh, and boys a little bit more of a controversial one that I'll get your thoughts on is Matty Moylan at 253k available as a dual fullback 58 very very cheap what he's done in the past from 2016 to 2018, averaged 63, 59, and 52. One um, fellas, I can't see you disagreeing with Lodge or uh, Watson too much. Desi, are you going to have Maddie Moylan in your side for round one?
1: I'm not. I've got Connor Watson there instead. Um, I actually had, in, in that order, I had Watson, Lodge, and my third one I had Dane Laurie, in fact, over Moylan. Mm-hmm. I just think he's a better prospect. Um, available at fullback, only 223k. Centre wing jewel as well. It's just, yeah, it's the stuff Supercoach dreams are made of. Um, and I think he'll be one of the top three most owned players coming into round one.
0: Yeah, but no, Moylan,
1: no, I, hate- I can't touch him.
0: Yeah, oh, I don't hate that at all, mate. At this stage, I've got Moylan in my side. And I think he looks pretty good to me. Whether or not you play him in your 17 is probably up for debate just because of that injury history, but I think I'm willing to roll the dice on it and play him in my 17 come round one, but there's plenty to play out before then. Uh, I did have Dane Laurie at number four on my list, but, again, there wasn't really anything separating those two. But, I mean, if you're starting a full-out for the Tigers in round one, which we expect, I mean, is a, a must-have in my opinion. Whilst uh, anything to comment on those four blokes in particular, but, I mean, Matt Morgan will he be in your song?
2: Oh, I doubt it. I don't think Matty Moilan will be, but it's hard not to look at him given his price. Um, I, I guess a lot depends on teams, but, yeah, Connor Watson's definitely the standout. I thought Lachlan Lamb uh, is an exciting prospect. Uh, of course, he's, he's battling with um, the other halfback, Sam Walker, for the spot, but all, all the mail is saying that Lachlan Lamb's going to get it. A um, couple of others that I had down uh, was Josh Schuster, you know, I think if he gets the 5'8 spot, and I've seen on a couple of websites that he's been um, in the predicted teams, you know, 106 kilo, 5'8, big body, running 5'8, I reckon he'd score pretty well. And obviously the West Tigers hookers position, hooker position, you know, it's been touted that um, it's going to be Jacob Liddell and Jake Simpkins that are going to share the role. But um, my thoughts, knowing uh, Maguire. He he doesn't like he likes to play a four-man uh, forward rotation on his bench. We know that. So uh, I think there's a big chance that one of them will be picked to play 80 or might get rested for 10 minutes and someone like a chi might go in. And, you know, Jacob Liddell's a, a good prospect and a lot of people haven't seen Jake Simpkins, but I saw him play at a Confraternity Shield about uh, four or five years ago and he, he's a special player and I reckon uh, he's got the opportunity to, you know, really kick on. He's very smart, very crafty hooker.
0: Yeah, those um the round one teams for the Tigers are going to be very interesting. Just on Schuster... I see at the moment as him being the 14 for Manly. Uh, what we saw in a small glimpse last year, very small, looks like a really good footballer, has a, definitely a career as a starting 5'8 in first grade. I just get the idea. They're going to go with Foz and DCE in the halves there. Um, Hooker, there's been a few names thrown around there, but I don't think used to be playing there. So I just see him as being the number 14, which I think would rule him out of Supercoach contention. Um, and at the Tigers... Mate, it's really interesting you say that with what mate has gone with you in the past with the 4 forward bench with the long time. again. The way I see it, Desi, if Simpkins gets named to start and there's huge, huge wraps on him, has been for a while now, his basement price at 173k, I think he'll have to be a must-have even if Little is on the bench and they had a sort of 50-30 split um, I'd still get Simpkins. If it was the other way around and Little was named to start, Simpkins was on the bench and Little was to play that sort of 50 minutes, I wouldn't be going near Little at 247k. Uh, but I'm a bit with you, Walsh. I mean, one of them two, hopefully Simpkins will be the starting hooker. And then pending fitness, if he's good to go for round one, I can see Moses Embiid deputising for 20 minutes at hooker to give them a the spell if needed. Um, Desi, what do you reckon on that? And do you have either of those two in your side at the moment?
1: No, I don't. Um, just on Simpkins, is he is he just available at Hooker or is he dual? Yeah, okay. yeah, they're both gender. Okay, no, I I wouldn't call them must-haves, then. definitely not. I think your must-have hookers are Harry Grants and your Damien Cooks. Um, I don't I don't see too many good cheapy prospects actually at Hooker this season. I think there's you, you just stick to the guns there. That's my strategy.
0: Mm, it's a big call, because I know a lot of people are starting with dual cheapy hookers. Um, And I'm not against doing it myself with Connor Watson available there, who I think will effectively be a gun at cheapy price. Walsh, I mean, do you have Little or Simpkins in your side at the moment or is it purely a case of just waiting for that round one team?
2: No, it's wait and see. But um, any of these lads that I've mentioned, like Schuster and Little, Simpkins, it's just lineup dependent. But like you said, I'd probably be reluctant to bring in Little. Uh, Simpkins fairly cheap, so depending on what role he plays, like you said, if he if he starts and he's going to get 40 to 50 minutes, I mean, yeah, for sure, bring him in. But I, I, I struggle to see who Manly are going to play in the dummy half role unless they're going to start with Cade Cust. I mean, I, I might have missed someone on their roster, but, um, yeah, I thought the idea was to get four in there. But I know there's been, you know, Desi always plays his uh, cards, Desi Hazel, that is, always plays his cards close to his chest. Yeah. So. We'll, um, we'll see what happens. A couple of others that I had that are just barely cheapies was, um, oh, not so much this guy. He, he's in 203,000, but Jed Cartwright, if he gets a start uh, on the edge, I know they're going to play Murray at lock, they've said, and they're going to play Arrow as a front rower, I think, or as a middle. Um, that's what I've read anyway, and um, that would open up a, a back rower spot, I think, uh, for South Sydney, and he went all right last year. I thought he was pretty good. And the other one is Lee Sinar for the Warriors. He's grossly underpriced. If you have a look at the figures there, I think he was one of those blokes that either got injured early or he might have gone back with Mamalo and Fusatua and um, you know, given what he's done in the past, even if he just does what he what he's done for the three years before the COVID affected one, he's gonna make a hundred thousand easy
0: whilst you, you've gone absolutely rogue and thrown me podcast planning into disarray with my cheapies list, but that's all right, mate. I think you're at your best when you go rogue. I'm trying <laughs> with you. Mate, on Leeson Arm out, I just knocked off my Warriors analysis and I had a question for you, which uh, we'll get to the rest of the Warriors later. But while while you've touched on him, uh, it really intrigued me. He's at 291k. We think we ran through the side. So- I ran through the side with you prior to the podcast. Uh, we think you'll probably start in the front row for them. Prior to last season, he'd averaged 1.41 and I think 1.12 points per minute. Last season, in similar minutes, he dropped down to 0.78 ppm. Uh, why do you think that was, mate? Because that's the concern I have, and I think he becomes a potential buy if he can get the ppm back up, but I, I was intrigued as to why that dropped so significantly.
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I, um, I just know that, he's a capable player, he did struggle with some, some sort of injuries, I can't actually remember it was that long ago, what sort of contribution he had at the start of the year, but I know that he's rated highly, um, there might have been some injury affected games there, well, if you actually have a look at it, he only played two games, so, um, you know, it's not a it's not a massive sample size, but he got 38 in one game in 49 minutes and 35 in the other game in 44 minutes, and then um, injury obviously hit but um, we know that he can offload and, you know, he's a player that is priced under 300000 but if you look back at what price he's had 2018, 2019, what he started 2020 at, he's more of a four hundred and sixty to $480,000 player. So to me, it's just money for jam but it's whether you can fit him, fit him into your side as well and how many front row cheapies are available.
0: Mm, it is, mate. He's had that little awkward price, but I've got to backtrack and hurry up and finish this podcast so I can update my yarn on Leeson R now because I had him rated as a 3 out of 10 buy on that PPM, but I'm going to have to uh, fix that one up pretty quickly, I think. Boys, Sean is another interesting one, but by the looks of it, he has a, a wrist injury from the trial last weekend, could miss the first few rounds. If he's named for round one, definitely get him in because he looks the goods, again, in a pretty uh, packed, uh, pretty busy Tigers pack. One I'm very interested to get your thoughts on is Charlie Staines because um, the crop of cheapies looks pretty good to me. I think we're going to have a fair few options uh, at a pretty cheap price. Charlie Staines at 297k. He's very. He had what two games last year? Scored 158 and 66. He had hamstring, I think it was a hamstring injury that uh, cut his season short. His 18 base per game was pretty ordinary. I know he's in a red-hot Panthers side there. He can play on the right edge um, outside, probably Paul Momorovsky. We don't know who that'll be yet. Desi, is Charlie Stains in your side? Because I know he's very popular. I'm not completely convinced.
1: Yeah, I, I've got him in. I just think, yeah, like you said, the Panthers are red-hot. I think they'll continue to be red-hot. And for under 300k, I, th- I feel like he's borderline must have. He's not in my top three, but he'd be a very close fourth.
0: Mm. What about you, Wiles, Charlie Staines?
2: Yeah, I'm going to have him in my side, I think, at this stage. Um, if you have a look at Mansoor, I think he, he averaged 67. Um, Brian Totto averaged 59. Now... Obviously, Charlie Staines is not either of those guys yet, but they were prepared to let Mansell go to bring him through. So, And his sample size, even though it's small, has been pretty good. So I think um, coming into that Panthers side, they've got a lot of footy in them, a lot of attack in them. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll go pretty well. It'll be interesting to see which side of the field Toto and uh, Charlie Staines line up on.
0: Yeah, it will. Uh, well, I believe is going to be on the left side uh, outside Crichton um, again, we'll, we'll probably know by round one following the trials this weekend, but I believe that it will go that way and then Staines will be on the right. Boys, Jimmy the Jet, $277,000. is very much in that cheapy category. Desi, in the four seasons uh, last year, he averaged 35 points per game in 66 minutes per game. In the four seasons prior, averaged 42, 46, 60 and 51. Uh, do you like Jimmy the Jet at that price?
1: I do, I do. I've got him as well. I've, I've gone pretty cheap on my centre wing, actually, just so I can stuck up in elsewhere positions. But, yeah, I can see Jimmy the Jet jetting around Leichhardt, scoring a few tries.
0: Yeah, I don't mind him either. My only issue with Jimmy the Jet is whilst is he going to get the, the service from the blokes inside him to unleash him because he's played in far better attacking sides than the Tigers in recent years, uh, you know, at the Broncos, at the Rabbitohs. And they really struggled to unleash him. I know he's had his injury issues, but when he's on deck, his pace seems to be there. What do you think about Jimmy the Jet? I'm just
2: really intrigued to see which side of the field he lines up on. I, I just can't envisage him playing on the left side of the field. So I think that. I, would know, be- I think,
0: mate. I think they're moving BJ to the left. Already yeah, there. I
2: think that makes sense too, mate. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether they go through what they went through last year, where um, they had the two Lay Little brothers together and there were some defensive issues as well. But I mean. In terms of if he's on the right side of the field, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a solid buy. You know, he's got an Alfa outside him, who's one of the best finishers. And, um, if he gets early clean ball, then I think he's, he's a steal really. But, uh, it's, it's always, you know, it's sad to say, but you, you always have a bit of trepidation w- when you get, um, Jimmy the Jet just because he's had a few instances where he's had to go out of the game and, you know, going Mm. to rehab and things like that. So you just hope he gets his life on track and he can play some consistent good footy.
0: Absolutely, mate. Well said. Uh, I'm going to touch on a couple of quick other ones, see if you've got a comment on any of them, but we'll run through them pretty quickly and get into our team previews uh, because we don't have all day. And as I've said, we do have the article online which goes into detail on all these players. But Keon Colomit-Tungy whilst mentioned cart right there before for that vacant left-edge spot at the Bunnies, Colin Matungi is just above cheapy range of 301, but he's an option if he does win that spot. Jordan Rickey, we saw what he did in the all Stars game, what he's capable of. The name to start on the end of the Broncos in the trial game. Um, another one who's going to be pretty hard to pass up on. Bailey Simonson, 205k, he'll be in my side. Jason Saab at Manly, looks like a big chance for that wing spot at Manly, 233k. David Fusatua, we'll talk to a bit more about him in a minute. Stefano Utakamanu, hopefully I've got that all right, but he's under 200K. Tessie News, Spencer Linu, all these guys are on the list. Jump onto the website and have a look at it. Uh, fellas, anything to add to that, Desi, or all good?
1: I, I actually had most of those dudes that you named at the end there in
2: my team.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of options. Um, whilst anything to add?
2: No, nah, I think you've you've covered, covered them pretty comprehensively there, Timmy.
0: Beauty boys, uh, so important getting those cheapies right to start the year. I mean, we're not going to miss out on the better ones. We shouldn't because you can always trade them in in round two or round three before that initial price rise occurs. Um, but it's just about burning those trades. If you can get them right, it saves you the trades and and focus on other areas of, of your team, which is massive. Um, guys, if you are interested in our premium subscription package, thirty dollars for NRL content, forty dollars for NRL and BBL. Uh, you've heard the spiel before, but it stacks of extra articles throughout the season. Access to our subscriber special podcast. If you're not keen on it, stacks of free content to go around as well. So just have a look at that sort of stuff as well. Uh, let's get into our team previews for the night, and that is the Melbourne Storm to kick things off, um, fellas. I'm going to start with Ryan Pappenhausen at fullback. We believe that he's going to kick goals this season, which would be massive, massive for his super coach credentials um boys i think you've both got him there's is pappy a must-have
1: Ah, uh, well i was actually planning to start with turbo instead of paps but i think that may have been a massive mistake regardless of turbo's injury or not um i had him all last season and watched him pretty bloody closely most games and he actually got fairly unlucky on quite a few occasions like earlier to mid-season before he uh went on that tear towards the back end um so yeah, I think he may be a keeper this season if he ends up um, having a few more, few more things go his way, and yeah, you top him up with the potential goal kicking duties. Yeah, he's he's definitely on the top of the list for have guns.
0: Mate, you look at Pappy last season. People forget he's only twenty two years old. He's played a handful of NRL games um, after. So I mean, that's he started a little bit slow last season because it was basically his first season as a starter at fullback in the NRL. Once he sort of found his groove in that Melbourne Storm outfit, he scored five tons in his last 11 games. He averaged 71 for the season. If he does kick goals, you can pretty comfortably add 10 to 12 to that average, in my opinion. Um, he's 629K. He's a guy that I can see being 750 to 800K by the season's end and right there among the top scorers. So um, I think whilst we're going to talk a little bit more about Pappy later in the fullback scenario, so we'll skip past him. Um, Whilst there's a couple of half-interesting options in the back line in pod territory for mine, Adokar, Brenko Lee, Justin Olum, Remus Smith, Remus Smith at 3.4K, any interest in any of those or a little bit awkwardly priced?
2: Uh, no, not, not in the outside backs. So, uh, the, only, the only player of interest that uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned him in the, cheapie, the cheapies earlier, I don't think you did, but because he's not slated to start, but I thought he would have. Uh, given the Melbourne system, is Isaac Loomy Loomy. I'm, i I got a big rap on him. And generally, it would go against the run of how Melbourne work for a player to come straight in and take that spot like Rema Smith. So I wouldn't be surprised if it gets towards the season and Isaac Loomy Loomy did have that wing spot over him. So he's one to watch. Just the, just the way that they set up, they, they buy a lot of players in Melbourne, but they make them do their time. In reserve grade, they did it with Branko Lee. They've done it with players that are genuine A-grade players, but they just like players to come in and spend their time in the system before they give them a crack.
0: Yeah, and I know Branko is, uh, I think he's out of the trial game this weekend, so in a little bit of doubt for round one, he'll probably be all right. But, I mean, if he does miss out on round one and Lumi Lumi comes in, plays on the wing, Remus Smith at centre, uh, and Lumi Lumi has a blinder, um, you know, who knows? There's every chance that he wins that spot, so it's a good shout uh, Remus Smith's a guy I can see him improving significantly this season on his thirty-six point average last year. I don't have the nads to go with him from round one, but I mean, I quite like him as an NRL player. I don't mind him as a super coach player. He's been, you know, scoring pretty poorly because he's been at the dogs the last few years who have struggled for attack. He's now in a gun attacking side. Um, do not mind Reams at all, Desi, Anyone in that uh, that back four, back five, should I say?
1: No, I'm I'm kind of. With Walsh on this one, none of the outside backs in Melbourne ever really interest me. Um, whilst they do all-score tries, they never really go on massive hot streaks like some of the other outside backs. Mm. Um, yeah, I just think Melbourne play to a certain pattern each week, which isn't really super conducive to um, super coach points. So that's yeah. just my thoughts on them.
0: Hey, Dez. We've had heaps of questions, and I think it's one of the biggest questions of the preseason. Cameron Munster, 620k, averaged 70 points last season. We don't think he's goal-kicking at this stage, but it wouldn't shock me if he did goal-kick come round one. If he goal-kicked, look, he becomes a must-have at 5'8". On the basis that he's not goal-kicking, do you think, Des, that Cameron Munster is a must-have for round one or are there other alternatives at 5'8"?
1: Well, there's only one other alternative and it's Cody Walker. Um, I actually flicked Munster out of my team last night for Cody Walker. but, yeah, if he does get goal-kicking goal duties, I'll just slide him back in. As simple as that. Um, I think Harry Grant should inject some pace into their attacking plays at the Storm. Um, he'll give Munster some time and space. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely not going to regress this season, I wouldn't think. Um, he still has the best base stats out of him and Cody. But, yeah, I think with South Sydney being, like, favourites to win the comp, Cody Walker may be a better, better option.
0: Yeah, mate, it's a really tough one. while at this stage, are you going Munster or Cody, or is there someone else there?
2: Uh, I'm considering going with neither, just because of their lineup, just because of the way they start the season. But I'm leaning towards Cody Walker. Just, I just, I feel like Souths are going to start the year well. Um, if you can get past that first game against Melbourne, uh, they've just. They've got a really settled back line. They've got a really settled game plan, and it's still in the back of my head how they finished last year. I know they didn't make it to the big dance, but, geez, they were playing some pretty good footy around the mm. finals time, So, and they get Latrell back in as well. So, yeah, um, but you got to pay premium price for him as well.
0: Mates, while we're talking about the 5-8s and, and that big sort of monster Cody Walker debate, we'll touch on it. Um, Latrell Mitchell back in the side, a bit more experience at fullback in the NRL. Um, how do you see Latrell coming back impacting Cody Walker? Uh,
2: I think it probably helps him, you know, with attacking stats. Uh, May might, might might take away a little bit out the back, but the way Cody was drifting both sides of the field and and that they just they just seem to really be honing their craft in in the attacking. Uh, phase of of footy, you know, probably better than any other team in my opinion. So um, I'm just really excited to see South Sydney play. But, yeah, I don't think it hurts him.
0: Yeah, that's it, mate. I mean, uh, last season we saw, it's always been frustrating me so much that Cody's been restricted to that left side of the field a fair bit. Uh, When Latrell got injured last year, we saw Cody play more between the left and right edges, throwing that last pass for the try and his super catch scoring just went through the roof Luttrell is going to chime in on that and probably impact it a little bit, but surely Wayne Bennett's a good enough coach. We know he's a good enough coach, but to see that you need Cody roaming both sides of the field because of how lethal he is. And uh, I'm tempted to go with Cody as well. I kind of want Munster to get the goal kicking duties just so that I can lock him in and not have the issue. Um, Desi, Jerome Hughes, 540K. Generally, you probably wouldn't want to go near him, but we're, we're so scarce on backup halfback options to Nathan Cleary to start the season. Hughes averaged 61 points last year. Is he an option or would you be looking elsewhere?
1: Um, well, yeah, I had a little think about Hughes and how much Grant will impact him as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't really see him regressing either. Um, so if you do want to lock up sort of a sixty, a healthy 60 average halfback, mm-hmm. he probably is your best bet. But when you've got guys like Nathan Cleary set to average 15, 20 more than that, is it not worth just paying an extra 120, 130K of your salary crap to to get Cleary in?
0: Oh, of course. So Cleary's going to be well, – this is based on the assumption that everyone's got Cleary because he's so much better than everyone at fullback. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Jerome Hughes as a backup option at half. Whilst oh, you're a bit of a Jerome Hughes fan, hey?
2: Uh, I, don't, fan. I don't mind him. I think he's a he's a good tryer and that. I think you know he's a player that has excelled in the Melbourne Storm system. I think if, if he – went to another club, I don't think he'd be as effective. So like when the Warriors are talking about spending big money on him like marquee player money, I'm not sure that that's the right move. But purely looking at him from a super coach point of view, I'm not overly interested because he doesn't excite me um, with a massive upside like a Munster um, or Cody Walker and um, he's not great value either in my opinion. Like uh, someone like a Connor Watson, who's also available in in the position. Obviously, he's playing. He's he's only available in halfback, but I mean, yeah, um, yeah I, I think I'll have Cleary there and and probably a cheapie.
1: Yeah, five fifty yeah. k is too. It's too expensive for a backup, surely.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he'd be a backup. He'd be playing in year 17. So, yes, he'd be reserved. But, anyhow, I'm with you, boys. I think I think Grant, Munster, and Pappenhausen, there's too much attack to be shared around in that side. Uh, and Jerome Hughes is probably the fourth cog in that attacking unit. So, not for me. But, yeah, you know, I, I just think when we're, we're so short on halfback options, he could be a sneaky pod to start the year. Uh, but, not for me. One bloke who is going to be popular for good reason is Harry Grant at 633K, averaged 71.5 last year. I started the year last year with only a a few sort of might have been 60 minute games, so a little bit down on 80 minutes over the entire year. Um, He looks pretty damn good, boys. Desi, do you have Harry Dan?
1: Of course I do. The miracle man. Absolute must have, I reckon. Um,
0: Must have.
1: Yeah, he looks so dangerous at the Tigers. I'm just salivating over the idea of him getting 80 minutes for Melbourne. I mean, he could average absolutely anything, The, the sky's the limit. Um, yeah, if Bellamy lets him play the running game, which we know is his strength, yeah, I mean, it's basically buy Harry Grant or suffer watching him tear teams apart week in, week out. It's up to you.
0: Mm, yeah, mate, it's it's one I'm toying up and I think a lot of us are at the moment. Um, whilst there's been a lot of questions about the minutes of Harry Grant saying a lot of people are under the assumption that he only plays sixty minutes because they're worried about Brandon Smith coming on and having a run at hookup, but mate. The way I see it, we know I know Melbourne have had uh, the blessing of having Cameron Smith in that side, but they've always run with 80-minute hookers. Even like during origin periods, they took Cam Smith things to play out those minutes. Harry Grant's going to come in. He's going to play 80 minutes, isn't he? And Brandon Smith's going to play that 55-minute while at lock that we've seen the last few years.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the big question, Mark, because I'm with Desi. If he's playing 80 minutes, I mean, it's just he's actually undervalued, which is crazy to say because – Oh, I know Cameron Smith's still in there, and he's the number one hooker uh, price-wise. But um, you know Harry Grant's probably underpriced, <laughs> like uh, uh, because yeah, like you said, he he played a lot of sixty-minute games for the West Tigers. He's coming into a better side, better players around him. He knows the system, even in the small sample size where he got a few games when Smith was out injured or Origin, he absolutely brained him. So. Yeah, if you can guarantee that he's going to get eighty minutes, or he, I'd take seventy to be honest. But um, I think your rationale would stand pretty true that they're going to want an eighty-minute hooker, and Brandon Smith's just going to have to bide his time and maybe find another club in twelve months.
0: Well, that's it, mate. He'll, he'll play his eighty minutes, and like he's fit enough, obviously, to play eighty minutes. As we know, you know the the logic to maybe we see some clubs share a hooker. Uh, you maybe put a, a hooker on the bench to come on and take 20, 25 minutes off him. Um, that also offers a backup hooking option if the the starting hooker goes down as well. The Storm already have Brandon Smith to, bat, to play into that role if Grant gets injured. So I just don't see any reason why Harry Grant doesn't play 80 minutes. Last season, outside of one 56-minute game, he had only two scores under 60 for the whole season, and that was 48 and 57. He had 50 in base, so, boy, he's pretty hard to knock. Um, whether or not you go with Cook or Grant, I'm not sure, but yeah, Grant, you're talking me into him as well because I've got Cook at the moment, but, uh, I'm not sure which way to go there. Dazzy, there's a lot of relevance at the Storm. We're trying to go on about him for too long, but we're almost there. Uh, Christian Welch is that probably a little bit above mid-range traditionally, but 453k based on an average of 51 last season. Um, he looked pretty good towards the back end of the year. From round nine onwards, when he was coming back from that, I think it was an ACL injury, uh, got back to his match fitness, a bit more confidence in his body. In the last, from round nine onwards, he averaged 59.6 points per game uh, across 10 games. Is he a bloke you see up in his average this season? Scored at 1.2 points per minute last year, 1.25 the year before. He offloads. Do you like Christian Melchster's? Um,
1: he's certainly one to watch, but I think at 455k, he doesn't really have much of a ceiling past 60 points. I think he'll he'll mm. stay at 1.2 points per minute, but I just don't see him exploding. He, he probably won't move up or down in price, I don't think, too much. Uh, I know a lot, a lot of people out there, especially in, on Twitter and stuff like that, are keen on him, but I just don't see him being worth it.
0: Yeah, I'm a little bit with you, mate. Uh, particularly when we've got guys like, uh, I know you've got four front row positions to fill up, but you know Muddy Lodge there at front row, U- U- Uta Kamano, who you'd probably have as one of your reserves, um, it, it limits the options a little bit. Um, but, I mean, we assume Nico Hines will be the 14 in that storm side. They run with the sort of two or three forwards on the bench. Any interest for you, else? Uh, He piqued a
2: bit of interest because I like the way he plays and he's got an offload and and things like that but oh, oh, yeah I've, I've got to agree with Desi I, like there's a bit of hype around him you know on some of the social media stuff with uh, uh, the super coach and some of the podcasts but I don't see it I just you know maybe he improves if he gets an extra 10 minutes but is he is he going to get more than an extra 10 minutes and I'm not sure that the rule changes really benefit him that much um, or he's going to improve his output that much. If anything, I look at that side and I see Brandon Smith getting more time um, as a middle forward. So, yeah, I, it's a pass for me. I, I, I understand the lure of his, um, you know, because he, he, you can get him in there and he might help you um, put together a side at 450. Is he 453,500? But, yeah, it's a no for me.
0: Yeah, that, I'm, I'm with you, boys. I think so much hype around him. I just He's not one of the players I see you're not going to get hurt if you don't start with him. You know, if he does excel and averages that mid to late 50s and makes you 60 to 80K, he's not going to bust out a ton that's going to hurt you scoring-wise. He might be a solid option, but I just think there's a, not safer options, but just better options in the position. Uh, we'll move on from the Storm. Guys, we've linked up with uh, Top Sport this season for yeah, for the upcoming 2021 NRL season. Uh, I nearly had a fit when I found out about it. I got that excited. But they're going to offer NRL Supercoach markets this season, um, which excites me so much as a Supercoach fan. Um, we're going to hook into that and be doing previews on those markets each round to hopefully see if we can find a couple of winners. Um, if you are interested in jumping on board with that uh, and jumping on board with Top Sport at topsport.com.au, when you, if you do sign up, um, use our code SCPLAYBOOK. That's in caps with no space. Uh, and they look after you from there. So jump on if interested, but don't worry too much if you're not interested in that side of things. If you are going to, please do so responsibly, fellas. Whilst we've got to the most exciting part of the preseason for you, and that is the New Zealand Warriors analysis, mate. We'll start with you, man, Roger tuivasa shek It's his last season in the NRL. Um, Tommy Turbo's down and out now; won't be there. RTS five hundred and twenty k is you know pretty damn cheap for his standards. Do you like Roger?
2: I don't mind him. Um, He's not probably the player that stands out to me in the side the most. But in saying that, when I look at starting off um, with pods, uh, you know, like he is is one in the fullback position that I'd look at. I'm really only looking at uh, three players in the fullback position at the moment, and that's Tedesco, um, Pappenhausen and RTS because Pong is injured to start the season. Mm. So... Um, more than likely I'll be the same as you guys and I'll be Teddy and Pappy, and I think the majority of people will be that, particularly with Pappenhausen goal kicking. But, um, yeah, if I was going to mix it up, I'd, I'd throw in RTS.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, I, when I look at my round one team, I'm looking at guys who I think can increase in value. I definitely see RTS increasing on that $520,000. A couple of issues. One reason that I think he can definitely increase on that from last year was I think he had something like three tries last year or four tries in the entire of last season. We had three tries, sorry, five tries, and had three assists in the whole of the, what do you play, 18, 19 games. Uh, I couldn't believe that. So I think he's definitely going to get better than that. His 35 base is pretty unreal for a fullback. Um, so I think he's a viable alternative. I don't. He's not a season-long keeper, But I think he's an option to then upgrade to a Pappenhausen or a a Teddy type or Ponga later on in the season. Issue, Desi, that I've always had with him is that it's just his ceiling. Like you'd get the idea that RTS, you know, he can blow teams out of the park, smash them to bits. He had one ton in 18 games last year, two tons in 23 games in 2019, and one ton in 22 games in 2018. Against Teddy, Teddy had six alone last season after round two when the new rules came in. Pappenheu hasn't had five in his last 11 games. Mate, can you make a case for RTS?
1: Well, I did last season. I brought him in as a late-season pod, an ultra pod. I don't think I'll do it to myself again. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd only really bring him in as a Hail Mary to sort of gain back ranks if you're slipping down. He's yeah. just he, he really is one of the best players in the comp, but uh, he just doesn't get enough ball. Simple as that. If they do start giving him ball, I can see him... Averaging in the seventies for sure, but he's just not as good as Teddy or Papi.
0: Yeah. Whilst Ken Mamalo last season uh, averaged fifty four in not a lot, in only eight games um, due to injury or off field or something like that. The year before he averaged sixty points per game with thirty five in base. He still had thirty one in base last year. Ewan Aitken comes into the side at centre. Peter Hicker was good last year with a fifty six point average. And David Fusatua is dirt cheap at 250k, having only played a handful of games last year. Mate, do any of the back four intrigue you for round uh, one
2: Yeah, I think all of them have merit, but I think the, like the wingers are underpriced because they went back early and and uh, And that. And I think Fusatua at 250,000, I mean, if he doesn't get up, above 400,000, you know, I'll give it away. Like there's no there's no way he doesn't throughout the year. So if you want to make 150,000, the problem with Fusatou has always been that he can throw in a real stinker here and there. So he can have a nine or an, a, a single-digit score and, you know, even if he scores two or three tries, um, he's probably not going to turn up because he's not a high-volume type player. But there's a number of reasons why he's so underpriced. One is that, that those boys went back early, obviously, and um, the other reason is, if you remember, I think Fusatua started the year in the centres. They were trying to develop him into a centre, which was a far project. Um, he's a finisher. He's a right winger. So one of the issues with Ken Mamalo, which puts me off him a bit, is that bought Ewan Aiken, and Ewan Aiken's a bit like Stephen Crichton. He doesn't like passing too much, so... Um, you know, it's. All, I know that a lot of Ken Mamalo stuff comes from run runs out of uh, yardage and things like that. But you still to score a try, um, you're probably going to have to cut out you and Aiken. So I mean, you and Aiken does interest me, but again, I'm trying to stay focused and stick to principles, and um, I'm reluctant to take outside backs or halves that go from one club to another because I think it takes time for them to build combinations and actually get into the year. But he might be a player later in the season. That's worth
0: looking at. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, mate, on that last comment there on the combinations uh, spruced about all the time. It takes time for these things, maybe not as much for a centre and a winger, but definitely still applies. Uh, Desi, do you have any of them for, and I suppose Fusatul is the big one. He's starting with Fus.
1: Um, I wasn't going to, but after that, I uh, spill from Wolves, I'm thinking of getting him in. Uh, yeah. If he does go on a try scoring run to start the season, he'll he'll definitely make some handy cash, 150k, no doubt. So I'm definitely, uh, I'll definitely look at sliding him in onto my center wing bench there. But yeah, Aiken and Mamalo, they, they, I guess I put them in the same category there. They are, uh, they might be center wing keepers if the Warriors go on a tear, which they're definitely capable of doing. Looking at their squad list, but. Yeah, any center wing above 400k is just a no-go zone for me to start this season. I'm just, yeah, I'm stacking up elsewhere, um, and then I'll pour my the money that I make into center wing keepers as soon as it comes to that. So maybe in six to eight weeks into the season, I'll start looking at those sort of guys.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Uh, Yui can 37 base last season, which, I mean, it's the story of his super coach career. He has a crack a little belt. Well, he's not that little, but he has a massive crack. So I can see him and Mamalo M- M- figuring at some point in the year, um, but just a little bit, little bit high price for round one. Uh, and on, I think uh, Walsh touched on it, but if you are going with Bussatua, do not play him in your 17 to start the year because he can go way too low, um, but not a bad one there to sit in your reserves and hopefully see him make some money. Uh, whilst Cody Nikorima and Chanel Harris Devita both peak a little bit of interest, mainly because they're available at halfback, which they're both dual halfback five eight, uh, and we're looking for that backup halfback. Um, do you like either of those? Well, I started last year with Chanel Harris Devita and
2: absolutely burnt me. I think he got a nineteen and a twenty three in the first two weeks, got dropped, and um, just totally lost his confidence under Kearney. It was a strange game, the first game. I remember it well, but uh, like he looked, he started quite well and then a couple of things went against him and it all just went to rubbish and I think he ended up getting sin-binned and, yeah, so he, he it was really not a great start. I, I think he's a legitimate um, value proposition. I think he's one of the best value propositions when if you go past those guys we were talking about earlier like Lodge, Armao, Connor Watson. Um, all those guys, Charlie Staines, I think in the second tier um, of best value, he's he's definitely there. So I think, you know, he's a player that could average 65-plus um, with the goal kicking if the Warriors are a side on the way up and they can um, manufacture some more points. So, yeah, I think he's definitely a player that, um, that a lot of teams will be looking very closely at, particularly given that after Cleary, there's not a lot of halfbacks. So yeah are you are you starting with him at
0: this stage mate
2: yeah I am mate yeah I am because I think if you go and have a look at his stats if you if you go on to um, NRL Supercoach stats and have a look at his stats I did it last night uh, you'll you'll actually see the way that he finished the year um, you know I think I think he might have averaged 62 or something like that or somewhere between 55 and 62 he doesn't need that much more. Um, you know, to get himself up there into the semi-elite category. No, do I think he's going to be up there with Cleary? No, I don't. I, you know, of course you're going to have Cleary, but he's available in 5'8 and um in halfback. I'm actually really considering, I think, the team that I've got at the moment. I've got him as my starting 5'8 and I've left out Cody Walker and Munster. Um, that's where I've... Taken a bit of a haircut there, and and tried to make up some ground because you got to do it somewhere. But um, yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Whether I stick with that or not, I'm not sure. But I also like Cody Nikarima. I think he's a super pod. The way that he finished the year. Um, if you look at the games he played last year, he had 19 games. Um, two of the games. When Chanel Harris-DeVita started, he, he played number 14, so he came off the bench. So you get rid of those two games. You get rid of the one game where he got injured after two minutes. I think he had a HIA. Um, in the other 16 games, he averaged 58.94. Yeah, right. So, you know, that's not a bad average for like a 5.8 and um, they're short on those. So um, I, I, I thought he, he was probably played the best season of his career, Cody Nicarima, last year. And I think he has upside the way that the rules um, have changed. I think, you know, he's got definite upside. And the fact that he'll probably have Elias Katoa, who's a future superstar, um, running outside him, or if he doesn't have him, he'll have Ben Murdoch-Masilla. And he's very good at drawing in the outside man and giving that ball. So I think he'll have a lot of line-break assists and try assists. So... Um, Cody Nicorim was one I'm looking at seriously, but I don't know if I'll have the guts to actually go for it in the early rounds.
0: Yeah, like the call on his average there, um, was it without Harris Tavita? but the only thing about him, just such low base of 17 per game. So there's so much reliance on these uh, attacking stats as opposed to Harris Tevita, who's got a bit better base. Did have 68 points from 19 conversions last season, so not a stack of conversions but enough to bump that average up by about three and a half to four. Um, I just think Chanel, if you are going with one of them, Chanel at 30K cheaper, better base. Chanel will be kicking goals. I think he has to be the option. Um, Desi, moving on to the pigs. Adam Fanua-Blake. Actually, I'll quickly um, run through the starting front row lineup. Oh, sorry, forward line-up that me and sort of Walsh ran through before the, the show. So I've got Aden Fanua-Blake and Leeson Armour at prop. We've got Wade Egan at number nine. Carl lawton scored until sort of mid-year with an ACL injury. Back rowers, we've got Ben Murdoch-Masilla on an edge with Eliasa Katoa. Katoa's in a little bit of doubt for round one, but he's a big chance of playing. Uh, and then I think Nathan Brown and the Toru Harris will be playing in the middle of this season. So that's the five we've gone with With uh, Jazz Tavunga at 14. Desi, uh, Adam Fanua-Blake, 528k. Down to 51 minutes per game last season due to a couple of little injuries that reduced his game time. Averaged 59 points per game. In 2019, he averaged 66 points per game in 55 minutes per game. Mate, we know he offloads. His PPM last year was 1.17. Pretty tempting for m one.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's probably the only Warriors player that I'm even considering or was even considering besides Fusatua. Um, Yeah, we just know that he's a human wrecking ball pretty much. So it's just a question of how fit he is and how well he connects with his new team there. So, yeah, his ceiling is just so big and if he gets the minutes, he can quickly turn into a a keeper pretty much in the front row forward. I say it every year. (laughs) It's It's just a matter of the minutes.
0: Yeah, I think the big one for me with him, I really like him as a buy I probably won't start the year with him uh, because I don't tend to spend up in the front row to start the season. I'll look elsewhere. But it's just the offloads. I think in 15 games in t- last season, he had 12 offloads. In 20 games the season before, he had 31 offloads. So – I'm hoping he goes over to New Zealand. I'm not sure what sort of approach Nathan Brown's going to take there, but if we get that typical New Zealand Warriors style of footy where there's offloading, free-flowing, second-phase play, it might really play into his hands and get encouraged to offload a little bit more than he did with Desi Hasler. Um, while you're probably the man to ask, I suppose, do, do you see him offloading a little bit more this year and do you like him for round one?
2: I like uh, AFB as a player and I think he's a great buy from, from by the Warriors. I think it's Probably one of the best buys the club's ever had um, if they can keep him on the straight and narrow. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, again, just trying to be objective. I'm not sure how it will play out super coach-wise and I don't think, like given that he's fairly highly priced, I don't think it's going to hurt you to sit and have a look at him. He's in my side at the moment only because, um, yeah, just out of favouritism. But I think uh, when it comes down to it, he probably won't be um so I'll just I'll probably just sit on that like I I, the biggest thing and and you're probably going to get onto this uh Timmy is Ben Murdoch-Masilla I don't really know how I haven't been able to find any super super league stats for him and I don't know how he's going to translate um into the NRL and NRL super coach so he's obviously very low priced at 330,000 but if he was the type of player that could score the same as Adam for Noah Blakey, you'd take him because he's $200,000 less, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, mate. Well, I'll get on to murdoch Massilla. It's a really tough question because we don't really know what bench they'll go with, but it looks as though they'll probably start with Egan and Hooker. Tavaga can relieve him from the bench if need be, if he doesn't play 80 already. Um, a couple of big pigs in, Kane Evans and Tanoa Brown on the bench with maybe someone like Bailey Sheeranen who can cover the back row. Mate, how many minutes would you expect for Murdoch Masila on the edge?
2: I don't know what sort of nick he's in. So I think this trial, yeah, this trial is going to give us a big insight. I mean, when you think of him, you think, oh, he's a big guy. He's not going to play 80 minutes. But he's very similar build to like a Luciano Le Lua, maybe a little bit heavier, thicker in the legs. But, um, you know, most second rowers, they, they're looking at playing him for at least 60 minutes. But, they do have a lot of depth in their back row and their forwards this year, the Warriors. So it's going to be an interesting makeup, um, the sides. So Matt whether Brown decides to use him off the bench as a, um, you know, explosive sort of interchange forward. I'm not really sure, but yeah, it, yeah. it's it, it's a bit of a wait and see. But the hardest thing is at 330,000. There's going to be a lot of people tempted to bring him in and roll the dice. I think.
0: Yeah, um, I've had a bit of a look into his Super super League stats from last season. Really hard to get accurate stats about games played uh, that were in the regular season, which ones the stats were to, da-da-da. Anyway, you throw the um, Challenge Cup in there as well, and it gets even more confusing. Uh, What I did find, take a very open mind with these stats that I found. I did them just before the show, just to try and get some idea of what he can produce. Um, but I will make it my mission or I might even dish it off to the Supercoach Spy um, to do a player profile on Murdoch Massilla and we'll really nut into the analysis of him from the last couple of years over there in the Super League. But what I did find was in nine games, he made 265 tackles, which equates to about 29 per game. He had 82 carries at nine per game, 23 tackles, two and a half per game, uh, tackle breaks that was, sorry, Uh, and he only had three offloads and two tries. So based on those numbers, I'm not overly excited. But again, it's a small sample size. It was a COVID-affected season. He spent a bit of time in the middle there. Um, So let's see how he goes in the trial this weekend, the minutes he plays, what he has to offer, if he's freeing that arm. uh, And then I'll try and get some more stats from him in in seasons gone by, and then we can make our mind up on him. I do Um, really believe too, Timmy, that whichever back row plays outside,
2: whether it's Katoa or Murdoch-Masilla or, you know, whether they go with a young fella like a Merchie or Sirnan, whoever plays outside uh, Cody Nicarima will score significantly better than whoever plays outside chanel harris to her. I just think Nicarima's got that speed to get outside a player and, um, you know, a bit like Johnson does and then he hits Nicar- uh sorry, uh, Nakora on the edge. I, I can see that happening a
0: lot this year. Yeah, well, I don't know. it Again, I'll, I'll dig into it deeper, but I don't know if Murdoch and specialist edges, but Eliezer was on the, the left edge last year and had that pretty good combination. So you think it would probably be Katoa, wouldn't you?
2: But, yeah, but uh, um, I think Nick end ended up moving to the right side because oh, Chanel okay. harris is a left foot kicker. So I'd say Chanel Harris-DeVita will probably play left side I think unless he was playing on the right side and kicking with his left foot I'm not I can't really remember but uh yeah actually boys just back on that um with Chanel Harris-DeVita I did a bit of uh research on him and I looked at all the games the last seven games that he played when he came back into the side as starting halfback and he actually averaged 65 now if you look at the averages from last year there was only five five players that averaged over that in the halfback or 5'8 position. One was Johnson, who's out. One was Munster, who's only available in 5'8. One was Cody Walker and one was Nathan Cleary. And the other one, can you guess him, Timmy? You'd know him pretty well. Sam Williams. Sam Williams, one game 73 points. So, you know, he's set up pretty well. I think, you know, if he continues on his form from last year, those last seven games, if he can get there and thereabouts and the Warriors can win a few games, he'll get a few more kicks. So I think he's a really, really good
0: proposition. So whilst you're suggesting that Sam Williams is probably overpriced for round one as a reserve grader coming off a, a game of 73 points...
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just, I've always felt like uh, Sammy Williams has been a bit unlucky, but I mean, he's obviously made the decision to stay at um, Canberra. I know he went to Canterbury for a little part of his career, but I, f- I felt like he he could have been a an NRL, played a lot more NRL games if he left Canberra.
0: Mate, we need about another twelve hours of this podcast if you want to get me onto that topic, and I won't do it to the poor old listeners. <laughs> um, boys well, he's just lastly touchy on a couple there, and that's Torhu Harris, who was an absolute weapon last year. The way I see him this year, he's 613K. Uh, I don't, don't think he had a score over – I think all his scores last year were between 48 and 87. So to start the year, I can't see why you'd go him over a, a Madison, a Cam Murray, a, an Angus Crichton, just because of that ceiling. Uh, and then the other one is Jazz Tavares at 552. If he's off the bench – um, I just can't see him quite eclipsing any of those blokes either. Just quickly, any interest in Tohu or Jazz? Mm. Walsh? Uh, I'm mildly interested
2: in Toe Harris. But, again, um, I think last year probably showed how well he can play. Can he play any better in terms of supercoach output? Yeah, it's hard to yeah. say.
0: Fellas, we'll move on to a quick question that we've already pretty well touched on, I think. Uh, we're going to spend a bit more time on it, but we are running a little bit over time. We don't want to keep you here all night. Um boys, lots and lots of questions came in on social media this week around Tommy Truboff, which is gone, who do you go with at fullback and why. So we've spoken pre-show and we're all going with Teddy and Pappenhausen at the moment. Um, I'm pretty strong on this that I think provided we get the cheapies for round one, which it looks like we will, um, I think you just lock Teddy in. He can be your skipper each week at double points, just get him in, save the trades later in the year. Uh, And we spoke about Pappenhausen, and I just see him above his average from about 70 to 80 of this season. Uh, He'll be another year wiser in the NRL with the goal-kicking duties, we think. Um, Let's just touch on a couple of the other ones because there were questions come in. Uh, on cut-priced options, pods at fullback to start the year, as opposed to one of these two. And they were guys like Dylan Edwards, uh, A.J. Brimson, Clint Gutherson. Whilst, um, can you make uh, any argument for, for the likes of Edwards, Brimson, Gutho? I don't know if I've forgotten anyone else at fullback there. No,
2: not really. I just think Teddy and Papi are just the safest options. And then probably a distant third is RTS, who you know, if you wanted to roll the dice and if you think that Teddy or Pappy is going to have a slow start to the season and leak a bit of money, but um, you would be holding your breath for a couple of weeks and, you know, you probably have to do it for three or four weeks to make it worthwhile with the price changes coming in. So, yeah, I'm a bit with Des with this one. Just play it vanilla and and get in those two and, you know, you can probably breathe easy, I'd say.
0: Exactly right, mate. If you start without them, you're basically, basically locking yourself into about round five. Um, without having Pappy or Teddy um, because that's when we, we'd said we get the price drops provided Teddy or Pappy did go poorly. But you can lock them in. They've got enormous ceiling, which we've spoken about how important chasing that ceiling is under the new rules. Um, you know, your Brimpsons, your Edwards, all these guys, they could start slower. They could bust out 30s. I don't see the other guys, Teddy and Pappy, doing it. So until there's a fit Tommy Trebojevic back and uh, a fit Caelan Ponga, I just think it's just them two cutting above everyone else. Moving on to the Canterbury Bulldogs, who are oh, arguably, probably not arguably, they're the least mm-hmm. coach relevant side of the season. Um, we've been going for ages, so probably a good thing they are on tonight's show. Um, boys, I'll touch on them quickly, but because uh, I don't think we've got too much to offer across the board. A couple of guys you might want to an eye out for. Nick Kotrick throughout the season, we know he can tackle bast. Move to centre now at the new club, but I can't see him getting the same attacking opportunities at the Dogs as he did at the Raiders. Will Hopalade's not the only guy that actually takes my eye for round one. Um, Under 400K, an extremely consistent Supercoach scorer, or has been over the years. He's averaged towards that 60 points per game marking days gone by. If he was in a slightly more attacking side, I'd nearly start with him, but I just don't see where the attack comes from this year. Jack Hetherington is below 300k. PPM is pretty poor, so I'm not keen on Hetherington at all. Tyler Mara is in doubt for round one, so he's not an option for me. I think they're better in the back row. Um, yeah, just I, I think uh, there's nothing at the Bulldogs going into round one. Keep a bit of an eye on Avrilo in the trials, but he had a bit of an injury concern as well. So, uh, yeah, nothing really to touch on at the Dogs. Guys, unfortunately, the old faux technology has struck again uh, just towards the back end of the podcast. So uh, we've had to cut the questions out this week, which is a bit of a bugger. Um, But we will make an effort to answer a few extra questions next week to make up for it. Uh, But thank you for tuning into this week's podcast and we'll see you next week.